Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and on this beautiful Wednesday, the 16th of December, we're going to dive into Zechariah and Elizabeth and the birth of John. In this part of the characters of Christmas, we're going to discover several things, several key points that would make the preparation for Jesus' arrival possible and and in some of these things, we're going to discover that God, he's had a plan for quite some time, and God is the one who's going to arrange everything to come together in his perfect way to to just, just make known the Messiah. And so it's going to be an amazing time in Scripture today. As you get your Bibles ready, I want you to go to Luke chapter number 1. We're going to be starting off in verse number 5 and then going through our day. So Luke chapter number 1 and verse 5, I want to make sure you got an opportunity to be able to get your Bibles out. It's very important that you get the Word of God open, that you get ready for for what God is going to reveal to you and how God is going to speak to you with His Word before you. So get your Bibles out, and, and as we go into this time of prayer together, uh, just there's a couple of folks. Mike Heldreth, we, we really want to keep in prayer. Um, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things that I've just, Cheryl's been on my heart, and just want to keep him lifted up, want to keep her lifted up. Because there there are some points in the, in the days of our lives where we know that that uh, we're going to have to suffer a loss. We know that we're going to have to face this 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 pain, and and it's just a matter of time. It's a it's a matter of waiting, and and it's such a difficult period of time for for her and for the family. And we just pray for Mike. We just pray that God would be with him. That 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 God would bless him. And just just give him give him what he needs, Lord. Just give him what he needs. And and we also want to pray for Jeff Suggs. Now, a lot of you guys, uh, you you may not know, but Jeff had to go into the hospital just a couple of days ago. Today, I believe around twelve twelve forty five today, they perform a surgery to be able to to put pins and rods in in his back to be able to shore up the the bone structure there and um you know as information comes i'll be able to share it with you but uh just just really pray for the suggs family pray for gene and carol for jeff and david their 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 family together because they're just they're faced with some really difficult news they're faced with some really difficult challenges in jeff's life right now and we just we just got to pray for him just got to pray for him father we do ask for your blessing upon mike heldreth and upon jeff suggs we pray for them we pray for their families, for Cheryl and Jean and Carol. We pray for their for their connections, Lord. We lift up Brenda to you. It's hard news to receive, Lord. We pray for them. Father, we ask that, that your hand would be upon us as we study the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth to realize that there's nothing that's impossible with God. No, no matter the request that we might make to you, Lord, if it be according to your will, Indeed, it will happen, because there's nothing too great for you to be able to accomplish. You made, you made the lame walk, you made the blind see, you made the deaf to hear, 
and the mute to speak. There's, there's nothing, Lord, that is beyond your power. And so we know that, Father, when we ask of you a blessing of healing for Jeff, for Mike, we know that that healing is entirely possible. It's just sometimes we don't understand the way in which you choose to heal. Sometimes, Father, you choose to bring your children home with you to heaven, which without question would be the greatest healing that any of us in this life could ever receive because when we're separated from this corruption, we no longer have to feel the the pain of it. And when we're separated from this mortality, we no longer have to worry about facing the the finality of the flesh. And we get to be with you in heaven. We get, to, we get to be with you for eternity. Oh, Father, that's the greatest healing that any could ever receive. But Lord, the struggle of, of the rest of us here on this earth that, that face the, the pain of that separation, that face the, the suffering of what is to, to be considered a loss on our end, Lord, that, that's the challenge. So we ask thy blessing upon these men. We pray for their families. We pray for your power to be in their lives and upon them. We pray for many families around us likewise that are struggling with different illnesses, that are struggling with, with different challenges, Lord. Those that are, that are laboring through COVID, those that are struggling, Father, with the flu or with pneumonia besides, those that that battle with diabetes and, and are struggling through cancer. And like Katie Neal's, Lord, I, I continue to remember her in prayer and Dallas and Jennifer and, and, and the family. Father, and, and, and just like so many others, like Kim Huddleston and, and, and so many others in our community that are battling through Hope Mullins. And we just ask, Lord, that your hand it be upon them. And bless us, Father, as we now have the opportunity to come together in the characters of Christmas, to consider Zechariah and Elizabeth, and again, that their lives would be a testimony to the fact that there is nothing too too overwhelming for God to handle. There's nothing too great for God and in His power, so that we may rejoice in the blessing of the coming of the King, and that this Christmas can be a Christmas where we come to the realization of who Jesus truly is. Well, there's much festivity around the traditions of this time of year. But, Father, all too often our hearts are carried away by all the other things instead of being focused directly where we should be in Jesus. So put us there, Lord, that we may rejoice in you, with you, and through you. In the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. The birth of John, an amazing place in scriptures we find in Luke chapter number 1. As, as we begin to read, we find from verse number 5, clear down to verse number 25, the, the connection of Elizabeth and Zechariah. So let's take a look at them real quick, and then we'll, we'll go through some details that God was jumping off the page and talking to me earlier about. <laughs> the scripture says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. 
and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and shall call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering him said, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and shall not be able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season." And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and, and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the day wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. What? Guys, there is so much. I don't even think we're going to be able to get through all of the, all of the things that, that God has to reveal to us through Elizabeth and Zechariah's life. But some of the treasures that, that we receive today is is like, for instance, in verse number 6, if you look at that, says they were both righteous before God. But in what means were they righteous? What made them righteous before God? When the scripture reveals that they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. In other words, it didn't mean that they were perfect. It didn't mean that they, they didn't have flaws. It didn't mean that they didn't sin. It didn't mean that, that somehow they, they, were, they were sinless. Perfection, not at all. But walking in the in 
all the commandments means that they were a very faithful people to God. When they when they had sin against God, they recognized their sin against the commandments and they repented of their sin. They prayed unto God and sought forgiveness for them. They, they were discovered as being blameless before the Lord because they, they had recognized the wickednesses that they would commit in their own soul and they utilized the law of God as the guide to direct their feet. In other words, they were faithful, of course, as he was a priest without question, but they were faithful to the Sabbath. They they would worship God in their community when they weren't in when he wasn't fulfilling the office of a priest. Certainly they would have been found in the synagogue of their community. They were a very faithful people because the fourth commandment would call us to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. And and they were a people that that truly sought through their lives to eliminate any type of idols that would cause them to be separated from God because the second commandment tells us not to have any idols, not to make any images. And, and of course, they would honor God above all things in their life because the first commandment tells us just that, to love the Lord our God. And so you'll find that these guys, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they, they aren't perfect people, but they are blameless people. In other words, when you look at their life as a whole, you, you, you're not going to be able to find a place where they could be stood to blame uh, for not being obedient to God, for not following God. In other words, it doesn't mean that they're going to be perfect people, but it does mean that they're going to be faithful people. And and that faith that they exhibit is accounted unto them, just like it was accounted unto Abraham, for righteousness. And the beautiful thing about Elizabeth and Zechariah is the reality that, that we can have the same kind of faithfulness that they had. They weren't superhuman people. What they they weren't gods among men. They they were average priests and wives. They they were average people that are making their way through this this thing called life. But they were faithful to God in it, and and that's beautiful because of course you you go back to Genesis chapter number twelve and you begin to look at the life of Abraham, and then of course from Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob. You, you look at these people's lives, and they're riddled with sin. I mean, they're just—when we did our study in Genesis, and if you want to catch that, you can just go into the archives of our Facebook page, and you'll find Genesis way back somewhere around March, April, and May. And, and these guys of Abraham forth, they're just riddled with sin. I mean, they they lied. They they cheated, especially Jacob. I mean, the very the very person in whom God would change his name to Israel, he was a liar, a cheater, a deceiver, he was all kinds of things. But when it came to repenting, when it came to to getting right, when it came to becoming faithful unto God, you could ask for a better people. They they were very faithful to what they've been called to do by God, and that was what was accounted to them for righteousness. God sees things, and and Zechariah and Elizabeth prove this. God sees things differently from the way that we see them. Because we can only see from a fallen nature, God is outside of that fallen nature. God sees the whole of his plan, and, and God's the one that is active in executing his plan, whereas we can only see a very small glimpse. We only see a very small part, and the part that we do see often we don't like. 
Because in seeing God's plan, we have to see ourselves the way we are in the midst of that plan. And many times when we when we have to see ourselves, we, we'd rather just turn the window or turn the mirror. We don't want to do that. Well, Elizabeth and Zechariah are, are no different from us in this respect as we're about to see. And yet still before the Lord, being faithful people, they were considered righteous and blameless. Well, praise God for it. And by the way, it wasn't their righteousness. It wasn't the the self-righteousness of fig leaves that, that Adam and Eve would place upon themselves to try and cover things. It's the righteousness of God working through them as they faithfully executed the office of the priest and, and, and the duties that, that Zechariah would have and as they were, were blameless within their community to continue lifting up the Lord even if they weren't in the temple doing the work. This is what raised up, raised them up as being righteous. It didn't have anything to do with who they personally were outside of the way in which they would allow God to work through their personality. But it was all about God and the righteousness that you exhibit and the righteousness that I exhibit and, and the children of God at large in the world today, the righteousness that they would exhibit would only be because of Jesus living inside of us. It would be because of the Word of God that guides our path, that leads our heart to the service of our King. There is no righteousness outside of Christ for any of us. There is no righteousness within us at all apart from God. And so all glory and praise and honor be to our King of Kings, for his righteousness dwelling within us and coming through us into the world. That's exactly what happened. God's righteousness went through Elizabeth into her, you know, through her womb into the world as John the Baptist. And God's righteousness flowed through Zechariah into the priesthood, in the silence, the days of silence, until the birth of his son, when the very first words that would come out of his mouth in, in nine or ten months would be, his name is John. That is the righteousness of God working through the vessels that he has chosen to bring forth his will into the world. And perhaps your vessel, perhaps you are part of God's chosen to bring his His will into the world. Perhaps you're one of the people that God is tugging right now. You're hearing these words come out of my mouth. And, and God is working in your heart saying, I have appointed you for a purpose that I am revealing to you. I am guiding you into the, the place where I desire for you to be, that my righteousness may be known unto the world. Maybe that's happening. That's what it was with Zechariah. We're about to see it. The pain of Elizabeth is this very fact in verse number 7. They had no child that because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. In other words, uh, they were past the point of being able to have children entirely, and Elizabeth had been barren and never capable of producing a child 
for her husband Zechariah. And understand the culture and the customs of the people during this period of time. Without being able to have a child, you have effectively ended the legacy of this particular priest. And so, with with this with Elizabeth not being able to bear a child, she's destroyed the hope of Messiah coming through Zechariah's lineage. She's she's ruined it all. And of course, we understand that it isn't Elizabeth's fault. No one has the 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 power. Uh, at least in this period of time. Now, it can be our fault today with the amount of drugs that we might take is concerning contraceptives, and we take them long enough, then they alter the DNA state of our body as a female, and you end up in a position where you're just not able to have children because you, you chose not to have children and used contraceptive drugs and things to be able to keep you from being impregnated, and then when you want to have a child, you can't because you spent years trying to not have a child when really all we needed to do was obey the Bible and not sleep around. But, but you know, because we're going to fulfill the lust of our flesh instead of being obedient to God and we're going to sleep around, we try to keep ourselves from being pregnant before we want children, and oftentimes we can destroy our body from being able to have children after that fact. But in these days that we're looking, Elizabeth, they didn't have all of this modern stuff that we destroy our bodies with today. They, she had been praying for a child. In fact, ever since she had been brought to Zechariah to become his wife, which no doubt she would have been uh, the average age of marriage during this period of time, would have been somewhere between 13 and 15 years of age as being given unto the man, unto marriage. And so they've reached a place in their life where you're looking at being in your 60s, you're looking at being in in your late 50s and possibly into your 70s, where where your body is no longer capable of producing egg to be able to provide children in in the, the womb of the mother. And so though she has everything it doesn't work anymore and she's never been able to produce a child and and to the society around her she's seen as as being cursed by god because god would bless the home with children that that would've been faithful to god but but because you've never been able to have a child you must be cursed of god for something some reason and so this is the curse and the cross that that Elizabeth has had to carry, and we know that that isn't true. We know that that isn't the case today. And Elizabeth is going to discover that the years where she didn't have children up to this point was solely so that she could bring one child. God kept her womb preserved for just one child. Now, God has opened up many of the women's wombs around her to have several children, but that wasn't God's plan and purpose for Elizabeth. And you know, we we often, we've got folks in our society today that that often are are longing for and desiring to be able to to do things, go places, have children, different different things of that nature. And it just isn't working out for them. And oftentimes we just get frustrated and we don't understand why and we get we just get so sideways but we've got to realize that perhaps there's a purpose behind it. Perhaps God has a plan in all of this, and perhaps it's not God's time, but in God's time, all things will work together for the good. 
It's just difficult to wait on God is what, it, what is the reality. It's just difficult to wait on God because his time is not our time. And, and that often is the challenge that we face. And so we see that Elizabeth is battling with this concept. And of course, the scripture is going to make known this right off the bat. She has no child because she was barren and well stricken in age because it sets the stage of what God is going to do in the miracle by which God brings into this world. And so we discover that when it came to pass that while while Zechariah was executing the, the priest's office before God in the order of his course. Now, the order of his course is to understand that there was over somewhere near 2,000 plus priests that, that, would, that were working throughout the 12 tribes of Israel. And on a quarterly rotational basis, you would have a team that would would come together, and and as it would, tr- the the Levites would transfer from tribe to tribe to tribe to tribe, and th- that would come into the office of the priesthood. It was it was now the time of Zechariah and the crew of priests that he was connected to. It was time for their course to happen, and so the order of their course was the time that his his element was to be in the the. Uh, temple to serve the Lord, which is really exciting because you realize at this point that God had a mind. God had an eye on Zechariah. This is the man by whom I wish to bring the Elijah that I promised in prophecy all the way back in, in Malachi that that this Elijah would come before the the way of the Lord. And so God is waiting for this 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 rotation to happen so that he can get Zechariah exactly where he wants him to be inside of that temple to be able to reveal to him the plan that he has. And so God is just biding his time in patience. And we have to understand this is the same thing that God is doing today. There's coming a moment when, when the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to pop out of this place. There's coming a moment when, when we, we face the tribulation and the great tribulation, everything of, tr- of the book of Revelation is, is set for a specific time. As we see in Revelation chapter number 6, Jesus opened the first seal. He opens the second seal. <coughs> everything is established for a purpose and for a perfect time. And we, we realize this because... Messiah could come into the world at any given time. Messiah could have come into the world at the pleasure of God whenever he wanted to bring Jesus into the world. But God had a plan. He had a, he had a specific people at a specific period of time in a specific condition of life for a specific purpose. And that is the story of Christmas. What a powerful, powerful story that God brings to us of his deliverance. Look at how he delivers Elizabeth. Look at how he delivers Zechariah. Look at how he brings hope to the hopeless. Look at how he, he brings life to that which was dead. Look, look at how God works. And then on this Wednesday, glorify him. Just, just glorify him. He is so worthy. And so we find that, that according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot Zechariah was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, uh, just to the verse number nine, the the burning of incense before the Lord. So just to kind of give you a picture, and I, I was watching a movie called uh, The Promise, I think it is, and it is a 
a cart I won't say cartoon it, it's definitely an animated production and it's one of our favorite Christmas movies that we watch because of of the comedy of it but also because of of the reality there is a lot of the realities that are that come out in this film it's called the promise but I take note every time I see it when 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 it goes into the temple and and he is offering incense. Of course, you'll see this in the Nativity as well. It's another movie called the Nativity, and and they're in this this temple, uh, and they're in the holy place. Now, the holy place is where you'd have the table of showbread, and where you would have the lampstand, which is the menorah, and and where you would have the altar of incense. Now, the altar of incense is just before the grand curtain that would cover the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And so, to to your right side of your right arm as you extend it, to your right side, you're going to have the table of showbread, where where the bread that would be the manna that would, would come from, from heaven be on the ground, there's the table of showbread that God would provide in the wilderness. Now, the lampstand you're going to find on the left side of you, because the holy place is not an extremely large room, whereas these movies make it out to be enormous. It's not really all that much of a large room. The outer court where the where the men would gather to worship, that is a is a really big room. But the holy place in the holy of holies is not as large as a lot of these films make it out to be. And so you've you've got the the showbread to your right, you've got the lampstand to your left, and you've got this altar of incense, and the incense that is burnt is of the prayers of the people that are to be lifted up. And so, when the priest would go in, he has a prescribed prayer, essentially, that he's been trained to pray, to go in and make intercession for the people of Israel. And and one of two feasts that this particular that this particular thing is showing us is either Yom Kippur or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that they would be going in and doing this in the offering of incense. And this is this is quite important because if you understand the feast and you understand the purpose behind why he's going in to burn the incense, you can track the, the birth of both John and Jesus because we understand that let let's just say it's Yom Kippur. So you're you're at the the you're at the tenth day of the first month. So you're between September and October, and you're at the tenth day because on the first day is Rosh Hashanah, is the blowing of the trumpets or Yom Teruah, and then ten days later you're going to have Yom Kippur. Now at this point. As, as the prayers being offered up unto God for intercession of the sin before the high priest would go through and offer the blood on the Holy of Holies, which is the only time that that happens in the year at Yom Kippur because of the judgment of God upon the people. And so you've got this incense being lifted up. You look at that, you, you travel nine months from there, and you're going to have the birth of John. And this this is pretty important because that, that at the birth of John, wherever that that ends up being, from whatever festival that it is, then you're going to have six months, or or not even six months. You're going to have four months from that time wrapped back around to when Jesus will be born. So let's say John is born somewhere amongst the period of time of April May. Well, four months later, 
right? So uh, June, July, August, what do you know? September, you're going to have the birth of Jesus, which is going to bring us into uh, the the Feast of Trumpets, it's going to bring us into Yom, Ter, Yom Terah, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring us to Yom Kippur once more, the judgment of God upon the people. Uh, and now, if you have John being born therein at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, of course, you wrap back around to that. It's, it's just amazing when you consider that if you knew the feast at which John would be going forth to burn incense before the Lord— you would know basically when both of these boys would come into the world. Something to research anyways, isn't it? And so this lot, the burning of the incense before the Lord is is something amazing. It's something privileged to the priest to be, to be able to do. And so it was not assigned to any one particular priest, but that they would cast lots among the priesthood that was on duty at the time. And the one that drew the lot for would would be the one that would stand before God and offer the incense. Now, what are the odds? <laughs> twenty priests, twenty sticks, and and Zechariah gets the lot. What are the odds that Zechariah is the guy that pulls this out? Well, I'll tell you what, it was hundred percent. That was what the odds were, because God had chosen Zechariah. God is going to bring through Zechariah the the forerunner of Messiah. So God has chosen Zechariah. He was going to win, there, hands down. It, I don't even know if the other priest realized it wasn't even worth trying to cast lots against Zechariah because God has chosen him and God is going to bring this to pass. And so as the lots were cast, it fell on Zechariah to burn incense in the temple of the Lord. And so what we find is all the people outside of the temple praying. And the interesting thing was is because the, the priest understood and the people by this period of time as they gathered together to pray, they understand that Zechariah has a specific prayer to make at the time of lighting the incense. And that prayer as he makes it is going to go up before the Lord and, and then he's going to turn around because that's how the religion of this thing works. It's the ritual of the burning of incense. And so the people outside were expecting that this wouldn't take much more than the time that they're familiar with, as many of them may have lit the incense before. So they got a good idea of when he's going to go in and when he's going to come out. And so they begin to pray because everybody's doing their religious thing and they're all being all super spiritual with their rituals. But Zechariah takes a lot longer than they were prepared for him to take. They didn't realize that he was going to prattle on about every little thing. They just thought he was going to go in, do what he was supposed to do, pray what he was supposed to pray, and then get out. He didn't do that. It says that uh, while he was in there at the time of incense, an angel appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And so it's understood he's between the lampstand and the altar of incense. And so you'll see that it says that Zechariah saw him. He was troubled and fear fell upon him. And that would be with good reason because this guy just popped up right in front of you when nobody was in there but you for the purpose of burning this incense. So how in the world did he get in there, and who in the world is he? I mean, there's a lot of questions that really rapidly pop into your heart because nobody just snuck by you when he's offering up the incense and he's lifting up the prayers. His eyes aren't closed. He's watching what he's doing, and he's considering what he's, what he's doing in the office. And so the angel tells him not to be afraid. Good luck with that one. <laughs> 
And then the angel tells him, your prayer is heard. Now, keep in mind, Zechariah's scripted prayer is for the people Israel. It's it's the incense of the prayers representing the prayers of the people. And the, the, the national prayer of Israel was for a deliverer to come. He's praying for Messiah. He's praying for deliverance of the people from their sin, a deliverance of the people from their oppression, and, and the deliverance of a people from their pain. And and thus the the angel says your prayer is heard, but it isn't necessarily the prayer that you're making for the people Israel. Look at what the angel says: your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and shall call his name John. <laughs> Who would have guessed that the the prayer of of Zachariah's heart would be for a son? Who would have guessed that that above the duties that he's been called to, that that the regular communication of his heart before God would be for a child, and that God in in the answer to the prayer physical that he's making for the deliverance of his people would be found spiritually through the child that God would give him. Imagine how God works. He said, you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, for the purpose of revealing the the Messiah from, from the womb, as we meet Mary coming in and greeting Elizabeth, and her having a a spinning ninja inside of her belly, <laughs> giving her a good kick uh, because the mother of the Lord has walked in. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Oh, does he ever. You find that in John chapter number 1 from verse number 29 down to verse number 35 as he he discovers Jesus, he baptizes Jesus. Now everybody that comes to John, he just points right to Jesus, says, what are you following me for? He's the Messiah. Go follow him. He does exactly that. And he shall go before him, he John shall go before him, Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophecy fulfilled, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Yet John got all of the vessels ready to be stacked up to make a spiritual habitation to God. Jesus built the habitation. That's exactly how that worked. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old lady. Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said, well stricken in years, a smart man, to cover his tracks there. But really, he's just saying, she's an old lady. And the angel the angel nailed him and said, You're not going to be able to talk because you you fussing with me. But keep in mind, the angel is not saying because you're fussing with me. The angel's actually recognizing the the fear, the the struggle, the difficulty of 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 Zachariah's heart. So Zachariah scared to death to say anything outwardly, but the angel is registering everything that's happening in his heart, saying that's impossible. There's no way I, I can have a child. I'm not I'm not functional anymore. There's no way that my wife could have a child. She's not functional anymore. This just isn't going to happen. And the angel nailed him and said, you're not going to be able to talk until all of these things come to pass. Hope that, hope you can get by with that. And praise God, when he came out, he was unable to speak. Everybody was weirded out because he had been in there too long to begin with. And now that he's come and he can't speak, they all know that he's met 
met, well, they didn't know he met with an angel physically, but they all believe him to have seen a vision. They all believe him to be stunned by that vision. They're all curious about John now. And of course, when Elizabeth becomes pregnant, they're all going to be curious about Elizabeth because how in the world is that possible? And the answer cannot be given to them because John can't speak. Now, he could write, but we don't see that he has written anything. He just can't speak to tell the tale. And what a blessing. In verse 24 and 25, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months. Of course, five recognizing the the number of grace or a favor of God. She hid herself in the favor of God. (laughs) That's pretty sweet saying, Thus the Lord dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. The very purpose of God is, is in her life was to bring that end of the reproach at a time where it was impossible for either of them to, to, to fix things now. How powerful is God that he would take the womb of someone that isn't even functional anymore, isn't even working, he would open that womb, and he would take the man who doesn't function anymore and give him power to function, that he would take the woman who doesn't function anymore, essentially being being of the flesh and of the power to have children, being both dead to the ability, that it would bring from death life and bring them back to life and revitalize the necessity of their, their, their bodies to be able to do all that God had planned. Only God could do it. Only God could do it. And thus Elizabeth and Zechariah, as characters of Christmas, are so very powerful because they exhibit the fact that only God can. Only God can. And that's something that we need to receive today. Of all the struggle and of all the trial, all the difficulties you may be facing in your life, understand that only God can, can get you through, can help you. And He will. And He wants to. Because He loves you. Father, we're thankful for this blessing, this, this beautiful truth. We ask that you will just flood the heart of Cheryl and Jean and Carol. Give them from the comforter that sense that only you can give and the peace that Jesus gives. Bless them in the Holy Spirit, Lord, and fill them with everything that is of God lovely and beautiful today. We pray for Jeff. Father, we commit him unto your hands. We ask an intervention. We seek a blessing upon him in a mighty way that as he goes through the surgery and as he's gone through it already, Lord, that you will watch over him and that you will just be with him. Lord, we, we pray for Mike that you would comfort him through these times and comfort his family. We pray for the many that that tune into this, wherever they are in the world, in the United States, Lord, we pray for them. We ask for your power and your hand to be upon them, and that, that you would guide them unto your will, Father, that they may find themselves righteous, not because of what they have chosen to do, but because how they have been obedient to you and to your will, how they have have followed in your commandments, walked in your ways. God bless us. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name this day. Amen. 
All right, guys, God bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. And tomorrow, uh, we might look a little bit more into Elizabeth and the interaction between Elizabeth and Mary, as as we kind of looked at back, back two days ago, but we might look at that, as well as getting into this very powerful time of, of Simeon after the birth of Jesus at eight days. They're going to fulfill the, the, the time of of you know Mary and her purification and then she's they're they're going to bring Jesus before the temple and at that point another priest is going to be there at the prescribed time and the promise of God as God has lined all of these things up and it's going to be Simeon and he's going to see the salvation of God and proclaim that as well as Anna the prophetess whom I really enjoy because it reveals that that before God both men and women equally have a very important and specific role that God has given to proclaim his message to the world. And so we're going to see Simeon and we're going to see Anna and we're going to see a little bit more about Elizabeth and, and the situation of Zechariah and the birth of John, which is necessary before Jesus can come into the world. And so it's just amazing. This Christmas... These characters of Christmas, this this timeline, God is just amazing in how he puts it all together. So be sure to catch up to me tomorrow at four o'clock and we'll just get into this stuff and go so deep that we'll be able we won't walk away from this without being able to shout for joy in the glory of our King coming to this world for us. God bless, guys. We'll see you.